four out of five, six and a half games up. Pretty lucky domination by the Metsies, huh, Spencer Strider? You bum. <laughs> we break down the Mets beatdown of the Braves and Queens and just how tremendous Jacob DeGrom was in his home debut. Ooh, a dozen strikeouts. Vogie's got a dozen donuts running the bases. Oh, what a time to be alive. Our special guest is a 1969 Mets World Series champion. We'll be joined by the legendary Cleon Jones. All that and more is next on a 70-win edition of Amazing But True from the New York Post. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true, orange and blue, it's so amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks, it's out of here. We got you. 2-2. Welcome back to Flushing, Jake. 2-2 fastball, swung and missed strike three. That even does it for DeGrom. And that's going to be all for Jacob DeGrom. His first start back at City Field in 13 months will come to an end. And the Braves are down to their final out in this series. Got him looking at the ball game is over. Ooh. Ooh. Welcome to Amazing But True. Our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. An extra long series, an extra long welcome. The Mets take four of five. Jake Brown here alongside my co-host, former Mets pitcher, Nelson Figueroa. Cleon Jones, 1969 Mets World Series champion, will join us later in the show. Those highlights you heard, courtesy of SNY, in a Jacob deGrom nation on Sunday after Saturday's Jacob deGrom bobblehead the k counter figgy look at that you had to rack up those k's because there were 12 of them on sunday and boy was that a fun series figgy i mean that's what you asked for we said last week just take three out of five win the series hold your lead they went out and took four that's how you get the job done. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, the statement series for the Mets, uh, you know, the Braves, once they had that 14-game winning streak, and that's not easy to do, but you get past that and the team is still ahead of you, you got to be thinking of the Braves. What was it going to take to catch these guys? You go to their home park, and then you figure this is our chance to take you know, take the division away from them and see if they can do what they did last year. And the Mets this time didn't back down because they didn't lose Jacob DeGrom for the rest of the season. They got Jacob DeGrom back for the rest of the season. And man, the rest of baseball better look out because he doesn't look like he's missed a step. Talking about still a hundred mile an hour fastball and the slider, just unhittable, lefty, righty. Uh, if you're a switch hitter, if you're ambidextrous, it doesn't matter. Anybody that steps in front of that slider, it's swing and miss potential it is astronomical. And all he does is just, he's so perfect with his mechanics. He's so 
fluid and effortless and the ball just jumps out of his hand. It's just, they've seen it. They've gone up against it before, but you never get tired of seeing it the way, the way that uh, we get to see it as fans because it, the domination is real and it doesn't matter who the team is, who the batter is, how hot they are when they come to the city field. You got to deal with Jacob DeGrom. You're going to have your, your hands full. That's for sure. And how hot city field was. I mean, the crowd was <laughs> hot, but the temperature was as hot and Every time there were two strikes, fans standing, there was a magical atmosphere in the air. And if you watched him pitch, you knew he was throwing a perfect game because it was that good. It was two strikeouts every inning, two, two, you know, strike out the side, just pure filth, pure dominance. Set the record, too. All the while, set another record, another most, milestone. In the first, what, 200 starts, I think first it is. First 200 most starts, strikeouts. yep. First 200 yeah. starts, the most strikeouts ever in the history of baseball. And this is a guy, again, who didn't get a lot of run support in the past, and so it was hard for the victories. You know, he doesn't have the huge amount of victories that you would normally expect for somebody with such big accomplishments. But that shows you what he does is he maintains his focus. He's on top of his game and controlling what he can control. And uh, controlling that slider is the, the weapon of choice that uh, most of the National League East is going to have to fend with for years to come. I mean, going from he even mixed in, there was one like 83 mile on our curve. I'm like, if he gets the curve ball down to there's going to be a problem because I was watching the speedometer. Um, Sp- it went- no, no, it's not called a speedometer. Yeah, That's a radar. car. I'm sorry. Gosh, <laughs> it's a long weekend. Give me a break. I was at five Mets games in four that, days. That, that would be the radar gun reading. That would be <laughs> speedometer. We're going to call it the speedometer. The speedometer His velocity. Said, he's doing 102 in a 60, doing 90 in a 65, <laughs> uh, 102. Then it went 93 slider and then 83 curve. I'm like, how is anyone going to hit that? with the movement that he has. It's a joy to watch, and we've missed this feeling for so long to the point that you have to be at a DeGrom outing at City Field. It is an event. It is a spectacle. I mean, the fans were on fire. I mean, every two strike, that's what you see in the seven-line seats. You see two strikes, and then the people who who are there who are just there to see seven-line are like, are they standing again with two strikes? Now no one's complaining. You're not getting any down in front. When you're standing for two strikes <laughs> with Jacob DeGrom on the hill because he's that good. But Figgy, I have to let this out because I need to vent about the Braves fans and their amateurism, if that's even a word, over the weekend. I get it. You guys won the World Series. You're the defending champs. Right now, you know, all roads go through Atlanta, although it's going to go through City Field at this rate because the Mets now the second best record in the NL. Uh, they would have home field besides playing the Dodgers. Hopefully they could top them. They're about four games behind them. But Figgy, a lot of sore losing. And it even happened in the Braves clubhouse where Spencer Strider, who gave up four runs, six hits, two walks and two and two thirds in a lousy outing, had the audacity to say in the post game, a lot of weird hits. They seem to be having a lot of luck right now offensively. That's great. It's August. We'll see what things are like in October. Are you kidding me? You bum. (laughs) You pitched two and a third innings last season on the Braves. Yes, you got a ring to both for it. You're in the major leagues. You're a great pitcher. I get it. You throw 100 just like DeGrom. A lot of luck. Enough of this BS from him, from Braves fans, from Sports Talk ATL, from Barrett Sally, from all these Braves fans who want to say the Mets are having a lot of luck. You're going to say Mark Canis, two-run scorching double. That second run came around by the big fella, Daniel Vogelback. That was luck. That hard-hit double in left center was luck. Oh, the ball went off the third-base bag and scored two from Alonso. Sorry, should have made a better pitch. Maybe it wouldn't happen. How dare you even think to say that? 
and it's happening across the board. Barrett Sally, soft contact, won't get you a ring, Mets. It'll get you a 70 and 39 record and six and a half games over your bum asses. And then just ain't our series. Mets getting every single break. And then Mets fans doing the chop. The Braves live rent free in their little heads. It doesn't mean rent free when you're playing the team. That doesn't apply in this case. So learn, learn, go to school, learn, Barrett. I don't actually agree with doing the chop. I didn't partake in that. I don't agree with fans doing it. I get why they do it. You're mocking the other team. But for everyone to say luck in this and you know, we'll see in October. We'll see what happens. You are six and a half games back. Sit your ass down. The Mets are for real. This isn't luck. They're better than you. They're better than you, 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 and you, and you. Forget what rap song it is from, but they're better than all of you. And this team is for real. They got the best manager in baseball and Buck Showalter, who outsmarted everyone, including the umpires on Sunday, who got the call wrong. They called Nimmo out. He wasn't out, didn't get tagged. He went off the field because he thought he was out. He should have been awarded second. Our manager's outsmarting you. Our pitchers are striking your ass out. You want to say lucky contact? How about you guys make some contact? 18 strikeouts, 19 strikeouts, whatever the number was. Almost every one of your hitters struck out except for one two-run homer. So if I got to hear more luck and we'll see you in October from Sports Talk ATL or any random Braves fans, I want you to know you're coming for us. This is our division now, and we're here to take it. Man. You didn't sleep last night, huh? Hey, bro, I'm fired up. <laughs> we're tied with the Yankees, and we're coming for the Astros. We're coming for the Dodgers. We're coming for all your asses. Woo! So, yes, needless to say, it is still August, and I had said this about whether whatever the results were of what was going to happen in the series. The Mets took advantage of it, and if it's soft contact, so be it. They made contact. That's been the new Mets you know, motto this year, more so than in the years past. It hasn't been swing hard, go yard. It has been put the ball in play and make something happen. You never know what's going to happen. Cut down on the strikeouts. And you're seeing that all the way throughout this lineup. And you're seeing guys that are, are just having fun playing winning baseball. And it, it, it's been a recipe that has worked and has had success. And everybody has bought into it. There's no one, even, you know, Vogelback comes in and, and he's not looking to swing for the fences with every swing. He gets on base and the athleticism is real, dude. <laughs> not for nothing. Big boy can move. And, uh, you know, he showed it off again yesterday, scoring all the way from first base. There's just that energy. They're all feeding off each other. You know, they're, they're passing, uh, you know, Alonzo's cliche statement is we're passing the baton and the next guy steps up and the next guy. And so you're never counting on one or two guys. But listen, quite frankly, the one or two guys are Pete Alonzo and Lindor. They're just RBI machines. But you have to have guys on to be able to have that kind of production. These guys are taking full advantage of the top of the lineup getting on. You know, Marte does such a great job. Nimmo has always done a great job getting on there. And, and the speed is a different element on this team. It's no longer station to station. It's going all the way from first to third or first to home, if possible. And uh, that that's something that's an excitement. That's a different brand of Mets baseball than we're used to seeing in the years past. Enough calling it. Luck, it's August. The Mets are the luckiest team in baseball, and the um suck. The um suck. How about you hit something? <laughs> hit something. You can't. Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, Ooh, listen, oh we boys. said it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta face the Twin Towers right there. That's a tall order because those guys are feeding off each other. Those guys are are exchanging information. Bassett as well. They're so professional, and you gotta remember they're in their thirties. Um, you know, Max is later thirties. Jacob DeGrom is mid thirties, and you got Bassett as well, thirty three years old. 
those are the three guys who more than anything want to win and take advantage of this window of opportunity that they have before them. Um, having a three frontline starters like that Carrasco, again, another guy who's the mid thirties and pitching outstanding uh, baseball. Taiwan Walker had a rough one. It was bound to happen. He had been pitching so great he for was so due. long. He had right. to get one rough one. Yeah. Right. He was, he was pitching so well for so long that he was due to, you know, have a little bit of fall back to, to earth. But again, I think he's going to bounce back. It's not like in years past where it would take him two, three, four starts to find his way. And Figgy, I wasn't even mad about that loss because of the resiliency that they kind of got, you know, they were down eight, nothing. And he felt it was over. Then it became eight, two. And what was a sign that, you know, fans are really excited about the team. It was eight, two, and everyone was on their feet when they had runners on like normally eight, two games came for the fifth inning fans are hitting six seventy eight and getting a Mori and going home. I mean, fans <laughs> were locked in. It became eight, five, then it was nine, five, nine, six, they lose, but they fought back in the game. And that's what, you know, that's all you can really ask for from this Mets team is that, you know, they fight until the very end and their manager has them going right now. And, oh, it felt so good. And you're just hearing these sore losers all over Twitter. I mean, get a grip. We're better than you. Deal with it. I mean, it's that simple. This team has it all. And listen, we got to give Billy Epler some credit here because a lot of people knocked him. And, yes, they probably should have still, like we said, got another pitcher. Actually, we didn't say because this is our first show since the trade deadline. We didn't have a post-trade deadline show. So we didn't really get to react, but the trio is working. Vogelbeck, Naquin, Ruff, mixing and matching. You're seeing Buck in even the fourth inning. Pull Vogelbeck if a lefty comes in, puts up Ruff. If they bring in, you know, a right inning and put Naquin up, there's a lot of mixing and matching, and we'll see if it works come October. But there's some versatility with this team, and the only issue has been Michael Givens. He hasn't been very good so far as a Met. Hopefully he could pick it up because they need that extra arm. Trevor May has come back and looked pretty solid. He gave a, you know, a meaningless homer the other day, but who, and then the trumpets again on Sunday figgy. I mean, what else can you say about this guy? And I, you know, did one of those S and Y post hits with Dexter Henry on Sunday. And I ended it with saying, I'm so sorry, Edwin Diaz for saying I would trade you for Dunkaroos <laughs> for being so mean. And, you know, we're all guilty of it because he sucked. The first who, couple who's, of- oh, 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 who's we are guilty of saying, you know, he's lousy right now. Explore a trade. Do not trade him. He's your franchise closer. <laughs> the trumpets are tremendous. The SMY shout out to them. Figgy forgetting, you know, I was at all the games, but I saw the video of the cameraman behind Diaz running on the field. I mean, that's goosebumps. I mean, that is just tremendous job by them to even be allowed to do that. Think about like a cameraman just running behind a pitcher as he like slowly trots to the mound. That was really cool. And you felt the energy, but just strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. I mean, it's like he's going up against minor leaguers. It's just out of control how good he's been. And you're just like, stay healthy and do this in October and you're about to get a fat, you know, $20 million a year payday as the best closer in the league. Yeah, that, that that's one of the things that you're seeing right now is he's so in his element and he's so in um, in such a good groove that even when he's off, he's still able to, to punch out, you know, the majority of the hitters that he faces. His stuff is just that good. And it's always been that good. Um, you know, we talked about the difference in baseballs over the past three years. Each year, it seems like the baseball has been a little different. He had that one year right after he saved 57. 
and he couldn't get that slider to spin the same way. And he tried the same grip. He tried everything that he was doing successfully the year before, and he just couldn't find it. We come to find out that, yes, they did change the baseballs. Yes, they were different baseballs. And, and it, it happened to a lot of guys who uh, were used to throwing the ball a certain way. Then even when uh, the sticky stuff went and disappeared, his stuff has gotten better. His stuff has gotten better, whereas there's a lot of guys who lost a lot of RPMs on those sliders because of it, and they're not able to throw it the same way. You know, guys are even gotten hurt, like a Tyler Glass now got hurt because he couldn't use the sticky stuff anymore. Edwin Diaz has ridden the storm and, um, you know, kept his head above water the whole time when everybody was throwing, you know, things. even Jim Brewer, you know, who was coming at him way back when, and I kept trying to tell him, you know, this kid has, he has one of those arms that is so special that you have to give him a chance. I don't think it's just a, a flash in the pan. This isn't a guy that's going to be here and do one thing, and then you're never going to hear his name again. No, this this kid was going to be something special. And, and each year, he got a little bit better and a little bit better. And this year, it's just, it's like having Jacob deGrom in the ninth inning, uh, fresh. Uh, like he's starting off in the first inning. It's a 100-mile-an-hour fastball that seems to have rise to it, and it's a wipeout 93-mile-an-hour slider in that bottom left quadrant to a righty that they cannot figure out whether it's going to stay true at 93 or is it going to drop off the plate at 93 or is it going to just go sideways at 93? And that's been the biggest key for him is being that consistent. And it makes you, when we talk about DeGrom, sleep better at night that the Mets didn't go crazy at the trade deadline. Now, you know, they said, you know, DeGrom and Mayer are trade deadline acquisitions coming back along with Ruff, who I think we all agree they probably didn't need to give up three prospects and J.D. Davis to get him, but whatever. They weren't huge prospects. And speaking of prospects and breaking news that just came in, Figgy is Brett Beatty has earned a promotion to AAA. So he slashed 312 with a 406 OBP at AA. He will be at AAA. And also Jose Buto will also go to AAA. So Alvarez, number one, Beatty, two, Vientos, number five prospect are all in AAA. So one or two of them could come soon, maybe in September when rosters expand. And maybe that's the right-handed bat that the Mets didn't get. They got, you know, they got rough. But in terms of impact bat, maybe one of those guys is coming next. But we look at DeGrom and say, oh, trade deadline acquisition. We said on the show last week, we hope that we don't have to hear that. But man, if he is healthy, this is, and, and after seeing what Scherzer did Saturday night against the Braves lineup, it's scary, this one-two punch. And like, you look at each day and I'm like, oh, can I take off this day? Maybe this guy's pitching. It's hard any day because even Carrasco has been tremendous. Walker had the slip up. Bass has been good. Every day you got a good starter going for the Mets. And that's why this is a championship caliber team. 70 and 39. The New York Mets are Mike Piazza games over 500 right now. And six and a half up to the point where the Phillies are creeping up on the Braves now at nine and a half. The Phillies are 60 and 48 and things may be, what is it? Things may be closer than they appear. Is that what they say in the, in the mirror? I don't have a car. So I forgot objects, objects may appear closer than I haven't had yeah. a car in six years. So I forgot the sayings on the side of the car, but that objects are closer than they appear. The Phillies are close and the Mets and the Phillies will duke it out coming up this weekend. Three against the Reds. You hope you at least take two out of three, man. If they could sweep going into the Phillies, they're sitting pretty. And then potentially you might get Noah Syndergaard returning for the Phillies who had made some moves at the deadline on Sunday, potentially. So if you're looking to go this weekend, you can only go to one. And if you're if you're cool, sweating your titties off in the seats Sunday, although it'd be 83 on Sunday, which is a lot cooler than the 92 I was sitting in all weekend. 
you might see him Sunday. So it should be Scherzer, DeGrom, Bassett over the weekend. Bassett, Carrasco, Walker against the Reds. So, man, you get think about that figure. You're going to City Field over the weekend. You get you might get Scherzer Friday, DeGrom Saturday, and then see Noah Syndergaard face you on Sunday. That is a tremendous series. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of Phillies fans driving up 95. That's going to be a must-see series. And I think you get the Ron Darling bobblehead, I believe, is the Saturday promotion, part of the GKR series. If Noah Syndergaard shows up. <laughs> Still Ooh, waiting, Still waiting to see if that happens. But, uh, yeah, that, that's definitely, again, must-see TV. You got to take care of your rivals. And the more you can keep, continue to push them down and make it even tougher – because no matter what strides they make, when they have to face you head to head, you get to you know maximize those wins and continue to push them down and show them that they may not be at the caliber uh, that you are. They can take care of the rest of the division, the Miami Marlins, and play those guys and teams below 500. But when it comes to playing teams above 500, there's nobody better than the Mets at uh, taking care of business. And it, I think this has been all-encompassing. You look at all the different elements of the Mets, uh, their lineup, uh, the way they play defense, the way they, uh, Nimmo making terrific catches in center field. Uh, they're just, they're playing in a, a energetic, they feed off each other's success. They're not selfish. They're not a me, me, me team. And, you know, um, and guys looking forward to, you know, free agent contracts and look, you know, trying to put up their numbers. They're really focused on playing winning baseball. And that starts with Buck Showalter preaching that and and knowing that if, if everyone is pulling on the rope at the same time, it makes it a lot easier to have success. And I think that's what you're seeing. And guys have bought into it. The coaching staff, everyone, there's, there's really very little that you could say is going wrong in Mets land. So just if you can avoid the injury bugs and continue to hope that this bullpen uh, can pull through in the clutch to get the ball to Diaz, and it's going to be a, a summer to remember. And they did it on Sunday. We got to give our shout outs and the segment, Joely Rodriguez. I mean, just two and a third innings and Joely needed that. And you saw how hyped up he was pumping. You know, I was to the left of the Mets dugout. You saw him just cheering the crowd on cheering himself on and, he needed that. You know, the Mets have, we keep talking about this team needing a lefty reliever. Maybe David Peterson's that guy. Let's give a shout out to David Peterson. What a fantastic outing. And when they needed him most in a double header, maybe he's that lefty. McGill's on his way back soon. But Joely Rodriguez is supposed to be the lefty, has not been good this year, but he came in for DeGrom. And usually we've seen in the past the deja vu no run support or the bullpen blows a DeGrom win. Well, he got four runs. Joely did the job. And two and a third you got out of him, saving the bullpen. Shout out to Trevor Williams in mop-up duty in the lost Friday. Helping the bullpen out for Saturday and Sunday was big. You're getting contributions from even the, the late guys on the roster. And the funniest guys, as Adam Adovino said, Joely Rodriguez is the funniest guy. And that's what you need. One to 26, Figgy. You were the 25th and 26th guy sometimes on that roster. And you had a role, and that was an important role. And I think every one of these guys is important. And, man, we got to get Buck on because I got to just tell him he's a genius. So keep keep annoying Buck <laughs> to come on Amazing But True because he's got to be on because, I mean, what happened Sunday? Like, my mind was blown. You know, I'm talking to fans. I'm like, all right, so he didn't tag him. Nimmo never got to second, but he was called out, so there was no reason for him to go there. So that should be on the ump. They should award him second base. They did not. It took like 20 minutes, of course, on the hottest day of the year, it took 20 minutes and they still got it wrong, but just the buckism and uh, they kept the challenge too. 
that was the cool part of it is that they kind of won the challenge. They lost the challenge kind of, but they were rewarded the challenge since he was right. So that just shows you the genius of this guy. And we're seeing it every week, something new where he outsmarts and up outsmarts. The other guy outsmarts this guy and mix that with the anger that he has from the Mets continuing to get hit by pitches. And you see him go to the top step and like look into the other dugout. It's what a combination. Yeah. Well, that's what experience brings you. He's, he's been on both sides of that. Right. And having a good staff that helps you in those situations, Glenn Sherlock, you know, has been through it all as well. Uh, he was the bullpen coach with me back in the Diamondback days with Buck Walter. So they have a long history together. They've seen a lot of baseball. And then again, you're not going to outsmart these guys. You remember the movie Baby Genius uh-huh. coming soon. Buck Genius, where our manager outsmarts you. He will yell at you. He will scream at you. And he will be better than you. And he won't call out the other team for being lucky in the post game you're listening to amazing but true jake brown nelson figueroa Whew, i'm fired up today feeling great after a five game series i mean just, can i get a sleeping bag at city field or something at this point in the boiler room i should be sleeping in, with mr met yeah in the no. boiler room it, it's out of control <laughs> I, I need a break from this place i'm sweating here coming up next on amazing but true well first off the mess please the reds for three the phillies for three and then the big four games in atlanta next week against the braves we'll have a show next monday and don't forget old timers day We'll have a live podcast from Ebbs Brewing Co. We'll talk to a lot of the old timers as well. So that's going to be a fun show on that Saturday. We'll do the show likely after the game. So the Saturday night, you could stay up late. Don't go to bed early. Come out to Ebbs, <laughs> have some beers after the Mets Rockies game on Saturday, August 27th. That's a 7 p.m. game and the old timers game. I believe will be four. Mets haven't really announced what the schedule is that day. I assume the game itself is going to be around five or so. Um, and you get to see a lot of the Mets old timers play. Well, coming up next, speaking of old timers, this guy might be playing. He's 80 now, but, you know, he's still looking good, talking good. It's 1969 World Series champion and the author of, author of Coming Home, My Amazing Life with the New York Mets, Cleon Jones on Amazing But True. Next. I got to be careful. I'm trying to, I got to buy Christmas presents. <laughs> get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Well, there's a World Series fever in the air with the 2022 New York Mets and that makes us look back to the Mets' first World Series in 1969. And this guy played 12 seasons with the Mets, essentially his whole career outside of, you know, a cup of coffee with the White Sox, but 12 seasons, 63 to 75. He was a crucial member of the 1969 World Series champion Mets. He was a 1969 All-Star Mets Hall of Famer, the Mets all-time left fielder, he was called. And now he has a new book. You can go get it now. I like to say wherever books are sold coming home, my amazing life with the New York Mets. Let's welcome to amazing, but true Cleon Jones, Cleon. Welcome to the show. Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa here. Good morning. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, 
Good to be here. You get 80 years of age. It's good to be anywhere. Well, you don't look a day over 60, Cleon. You're, you, you cut 20 years off your life. You're still looking good. Thank you for saying that. The check is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, the check is not in the mail for the Braves, and you know the beating the Braves pretty well. I mean, what a weekend for the Mets. How about this four out of five, six and a half game lead? The team is feeling high, and that's why, you know, memories of 69 and 86 come up. Because this team could be doing something special. Absolutely, I, I, I watched part of the game yesterday. Uh, this, this team is kind of similar to the '69 team. Good pitching. They platoon pretty much like we did. Uh, Showwater is doing a great job in, in managing and doing all the small things. Uh, I saw a squeeze. Uh, <laughs> that that was unusual for today's game. Uh, they're doing all the right things. They're playing small ball. That they're playing to make contact. So that, that that's that's good news and that's good baseball. Absolutely. And I think you could definitely attest to how important it is to have a veteran manager leading the way and what a difference Buck Showalter has made this year compared to the last two managers. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to compare anybody to Gil Hodges, but uh, I see some similarities with uh, Bucket. And, and uh, suddenly uh, uh, when I watch him make his moves, uh, he seemed to be, at least one one inning ahead of the game. I always say Gail Hodges was three or four innings ahead of what was happening. So he was great with pitching and great with uh, with position players, and he was great with uh, bench players. Just saying, you know, be ready when your number is called, and that seems to be the thing that's happening uh, with these Mets. I say these Mets, our Mets. It's, it's fun to watch now. In 1968, nothing to laugh at. You batted 297. The next year, you have the career year and just the right time with the 69 Mets. You batted 340. 340, such a huge jump. What was the big difference for you in 69 rather than 60? I mean, 297, like I said, still a great year. Well, in baseball, confidence uh, is everything. In 68, I got to know more about myself. I preached to myself all winter that if I got off to a better start, I, I could hit 300. I wasn't thinking about 340, 360, or anything like that. I, I just wanted to be a 300 hitter. Confidence, knowing what you want to do at the plate. See, the hardest thing in baseball for, for a player, toughest person to defeat is yourself. When you're able to defeat you and have yourself under control, that's more than half the battle. Because we, we give the other guys too much credit. The pitcher throws the ball. But once he releases, you should be in control. If you're not, that's on you. So uh, in 69, I, I was just simply in control. And my attitude about nobody could get the ball by me was spot on. I didn't ever read the paper to see who was pitching. I just wanted to get to the ballpark and get some of the bats. How often do you get stopped or asked about, you know, the 69 team? Like you live in Alabama, so, you know, it's less than if you were on the streets of Astoria here in Queens. But how often do you get stopped, asked about it, think about it? Is that something that's on your mind 100 times a day? You, you get asked about it. I, I live in Alabama, but it, it, it's as real here in Alabama as it is in New York. Everybody knows about that. I'm known for uh, the last out, catching the last out. I, I'm known for being part of the 1969 World Champion Mets. So everywhere I go, that association pop up. 
but that's the good news. This team has lived 52, 53 years. How many teams you know of that won World Series that you can you can name right off the bat and everybody can talk about it and talk about all the things that happened each and every inning, whether it be the fifth inning, uh, the last out. 69 was a, a year that, to me, brought this country together in, in many ways. Underdogs winning, people understanding other people, whether it be Black people understanding white and, and, and that difference, young and old, uh, pulling for the same team. Young kids running around the ballpark, white kids saying, I'm Tommy A.G., black kids being Tom Seaver. That kind of thing happened in 69, and uh, it kind of brought the country together. So we're all proud of that, that we were able to rally the country uh, to at least think about we're all one in the same. And a man was on the moon that year as well. So a lot of things were going down in 1969. Listen, the Jets won. They never won again. So that's something that's rare. Uh, the Knicks won a title that season. So it was a big time for you. Like, were you guys out? You know, did you guys like party with the Knicks teams and the Jets teams? Like you all won in the same year or the year after. I guess Studio 54 wasn't a thing then. I don't know what was the thing in 1969. But did you guys go all, all go out and party together? Like you, Willis Reed, Clyde Frazier? Studio uh 54 or 59, whatever it was, at that, uh, that few years ago, it was Outfielder's Lounge to, at that time. What is it called? Outfielder's Lounge? Yeah, Tommy Ag and I, with another partner, had had a, a nightclub restaurant right there in, uh, in Queens. And uh, Clyde and uh, other guys uh, came by quite often. The Jets, quite familiar with, with uh, Joe's place. We hung out at Joe's place with Joe. We all were with Joe players. and some other females, maybe, and other people <laughs> in the building. <laughs> well, Joe had all the females. We just uh, followed behind Joe and, and uh, got in on the excitement. Uh, but but it was great, <laughs> you know, being in, in his presence. He's a wonderful guy and he's a good friend. Suddenly, uh, uh, we all had the same dream uh, of winning uh, in New York, and we are all fortunate enough to do that. So the Jets passed the winning fever on to the Mets, who passed it on to the Knicks. That's essentially what happened. And that's something that you were discussing at uh, at Joe's and at Outfielders or, and all you guys talked about. Yeah, well, we, we, we talked about other things because uh, Joe, at that time, uh, everybody that came to visit, Tommy, AJ, and I from, from Alabama, wanted to go see Joe Namie. And so we, we, we had the after ball game, we would go down and sit and talk uh, with Joe, have a skillet steak or whatever. And, and uh, just reminisce about Alabama, the Jets, the Mets, other things that had to do with New York. So it, it, it was a kind of a kinship that you may or may not understand because you wouldn't think that Willis Reed and, and Clyde and, and all of us uh, would be seeing each other and we would be all, all be great friends. That's exactly what happened. New York is a big place, but it was a very small and tiny place with these three teams. Yeah, professional athletes in New York, that's immediate, like – coverage, immediate response. You, you, you're brought into that limelight um, no matter who you are. And I think what it was very special about those teams is that you guys all did it at the same time. So you could, you knew exactly what each other was going through. And and it was the, then the sense of accomplishment as you did it, it was, okay, now we'll go support the Knicks. We'll go watch them play and root them on. And that's such a great thing to do to have that camaraderie in a city like New York, where it's so many people, you can get lost in the shuffle. But when you're able to have somebody in your corner 
like a Joe Namath and to name those names, even as, you know, teammates who aren't actually on your team, but they're on your team because you're a New Yorker. We, we're all on the same team. We're just playing a different sports. So that was great. Cleon, your book, Coming Home, My Amazing Life with the New York Mets. Get it now. Tell us a little nugget from the book that uh, someone might find and why they should get it. Well, all, all of these things that we're talking about now uh, in the book, uh, we, we talk a great deal about Gil Hodges and what he meant to our winning. We talk about the great pitching that we had, Tom Seaman, Kuzman, Ryan, and all those guys. Uh, it, it's a great read, if I have to say so myself. And we talk about my hometown and, and what we're doing in, in this area to help the citizenry. Uh, by building homes and refurbishing homes and, and just helping people in general. And that's our, our real mandate is to give back because there was so much given to, I say us, my family, uh, coming up in this neighborhood. So we're just, for the last 30 years, uh, we've just been trying to give back and help someone that, that, that need help or help everyone that we possibly can that need help. And that's why we, we formed uh, our nonprofit. The Last Out Foundation, and that that's that's part of the reason why we, we're doing this book, so people can know what we're doing and what we are what we're all about. Just get to know the real Cleon Jones and family. You're still looking good and still, you know, telling great stories and stuff. And I gotta say, it comes full circle for me, Cleon. I've met 20 of the 69 Mets. I used to go to the sports card and memorabilia shows in Westchester and throughout New York, and I got 20 of you guys to sign a big poster. It's like right after I think you catch. Uh, the last out and, you know, the fans start storming the field, which you never have today. Met 20 of you guys, got it signed. Me and my dad would go to the shows and, you know, I started to learn about the history of the Mets and it obviously started with you guys. So it's pretty cool to get to talk to you now after, you know, you signed my poster when I was like 14 years old and I had hair and teeth were more crooked and, uh, you know, different world back uh, when I was 14. But this all comes full circle, Cleon. So we appreciate it. Well, thank, thank you guys for having me. Go out and buy buy the book and have some real fun reading it because it was a, it was a delight for me to do the book and certainly I, I think it's gonna be a great read for everybody that goes out and get it. So thank you for having me. Be blessed, guys. Listen, I I, I have one thing to say with Seaver getting his statue finally with the New York Mets in the franchise. I think iconic moments for the New York Mets should be placed in some kind of bronze. And so I think you catching that last out will be somewhere around City Field shortly. I think it's well-deserved. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and, and certainly, uh, we, we like to cap all of those great moments. Uh, certainly, Siva was the catalyst uh, of that team. Uh, if not for Siva or Gil Hodges or even Tommy Agee, we wouldn't be talking about the 6-9 Mets. It's history, and uh, let's enjoy it. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on Amazing But True, Cleon. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Uh, be safe. Blame the banana. The banana is really getting to my head right now. Alrighty, Figgy. That will say goodnight to episode 116 of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Jake and Andrew Hartz, for producing the show. Catch up on all episodes of Amazing But True by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us all on Twitter at Amazing But True, at FiggyNY, and at Jake Brown Radio. Oh, well, shout out to the Mets for a great weekend. Shout out to the Sweets. You know, the Sweets treated me well over the weekend. Shout out to Beth and the Sweets and uh, Justin and Candace. And we, Candace, I have cha- a ball for Chase. Shout out to Emily, photographer. We got a ball for the kids. I keep the home run balls, Figgy, uh-huh, but uh-huh. a ball thrown is given to the kids. I am for the people, by the people. So, Chase, I have an official 
game ball for you. Good people in the suites. They take great care of us, and we're very, very grateful for them. Yeah, and I'm sorry to my dietitian. I did have some beers. <laughs> That's all there was. There was wine and beers, so I'm really sorry. But uh, I, the vodka sodas didn't work out. It was it was a beer day, so I'm sorry to my dietitian. Sorry to my organs, my my uh, liver, my internal system for uh, the weekend that was. I'll be better starting today, but we'll see if I'm back against the Reds. Who knows? A shout out to all them doing a terrific job. We'll return for Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa, Andrew Hartz. We return next Monday following the Mets series against Noah Syndergaard and the Phillies and Queens as we look ahead to Mets Braves with a special guest, potentially. Stay tuned. Wait, wait, wait. I have to close the show. I forgot. Oh, we're, no. we're rapid close. My dad had a message for you. And I have to play Me. it to close the show. Yeah. Jake, it's Patty. I was horrified to see you in batting practice. <laughs> I can get at that. I can get in that batting cage and and do better. I'll say next time I'm in town, he can pitch to me. If he pitches like he pitched to you, I'm not going to hit it over the fence, but I'll knock a couple of doubles down the first and third base. Doubles down the first and third base. <laughs> so oh, there's one message. Game on. Hold on. There's one more. Let's game see. on. Jakey, you ate your first banana. <laughs> I didn't appreciate Figgy making fun of me. I like Figgy, so I'm not mad at him. But that—that that was me. I really thought that was me. I'm gonna say Jakey ate the banana. Okay. Um, and uh, you didn't tell us that you burnt your head. Okay, bye. <laughs> you didn't tell us that you burnt your head. You thought that was you <laughs> doing an impression of her. No, How about man. That? I nailed it. I'm not going to lie to you. I nailed that impression of your All mouth. Right, so you're going to throw BP to my dad. I mean, I don't know how, but uh, maybe I'll tell him to drive up to wherever you are now, and he'll throw you at whatever stadium you're at, Gastonia. We'll find him. All right. One more. As always, let's go Mets. Mets. That was I'm perfect. still way Mets. better than you. You don't know For a moment, moment like this. There it is. is. And I'm out.